0: You're listening to the Team Guru Podcast, bringing to life the theory and principles of leadership.
1: Hello and welcome to the Team Guru Podcast. I'm your host, David Frizzell, and as always, it is a pleasure to have your company. My guest in this episode is Gary Walden. Gary has written a book with a provocative title, Sort Your Shit Out. Well, it's probably not that provocative, but it did mean that we had to tick the explicit language box when we submitted this podcast. Gary's message is simple and incredibly effective. He believes that we all have shit to sort out in our lives. He leans on his personal experiences and professional insight to help us understand what we have lying around in our own world that needs to be addressed. And then he loads us up with a bunch of important thoughts and tools to get on the front foot. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Gary Walden. Gary Walden, welcome to the Team Guru podcast. Thank you, sir. Thank you for having me. Well, it's my pleasure to have you now, Gary. You're going to force me into a position I've ever I've only ever been once before with this podcast, and that is having to hit the explicit language button when we upload it. On our RSS feed. So, for those of you who have just seen the title, you know that Gary's book is called "Sort Your Shit Out." And I'm just not going to beat around the bush. You know, Gary, I'm a I'm a father of three young kids, and my wife and I, over the last seven years, have totally worked swearing out of our vocab. So it actually <laughs> feels really weird for me to say this word. So I'm just going to get over it at the beginning and use it with "gay abandon through the podcast because. That's what the book's called, and that's what the topic is all about. It's all about sorting out your shit, understanding what it is, understanding how to deal with it, and, and moving through those stages. So We're going to we just get over that, and I'll hit that button for the second time in the Team Guru podcast. Now, you have told a, a really nice version of your own personal story through the book. I'd just love to hear you explain what your relationship with your own shit has been through your life. How have you grown to understand it and manage it as you've matured and become more comfortable with yourself?
0: Yeah. So thanks for that. One of the things for me is I was an early adopter of my shit. Now, do you need a safe word? Are you going to be okay with the word shit?
1: <laughs> I'm more than okay with it. I came to terms with it about four o'clock this afternoon.
0: Oh, good. So yeah, look, as far back as I can remember, I kind of felt like that kid that was just didn't really belong into the, the group, that outsider. And so as I grew up, I came up with strategies to try and deal with that. So pretty shy kid. And then at about 12 or 13, I went, you know what? I'm sick of feeling like I don't have friends. So let me build a facade. Let me build this persona of this extrovert. And now I'm this introvert-extrovert character who I who is now me. But it started off as an introvert, and I, I evolved that through so that I could be accepted and, and liked and felt like I belonged. But that was always a feeling of not being quite there. And so went through high school, feeling the same sort of thing. I wasn't really in the cool kids and I wasn't with the nerds. University kind of felt like that. And then into the workplace, it still continued. So I had this aspiration as a as a young 16 year old and, and sort of going into my 18s of, wanting to be that millionaire, wanting to be the person who was so successful that everybody looked up to. And now reflecting back on that, you realize that that aspiration was about, again, wanting people to accept you and start to connect with you. And so it was an externalizing of those insecurities that just came through. And one of the things I think is really important, and and you mentioned your three kids, and when your three kids are sort of under 2 that's such a beautiful age there i've got um nephew so I'm a grunkle, and Scotty and uh sonic is their names my uh great nephew and niece and watching them dance at under 2 is just beautiful because they have no inhibitions they really don't care who's watching mm. yeah and they don't have they don't give a shit at that age yeah and as they get older all of a sudden they start to realize that the world is actually looking at them and they're starting to get a self-awareness that means they're wanting to belong more. And they start to get their shit. And then we build it up from that point onwards. And so for me, at 18, I then went, okay, look, I'm kind of getting into my dark moods. I, I get cranky with things. I don't feel like I'm good enough, attractive enough, smart enough, all of those not enoughs. And when I started my first business at 21, It was really a case of, again, how do I be successful? How do I be those things that I really wanted to be, aspirational? And so I started reading all the motivational books to deal with those darker moments. I started reading all of the business books. And all of that then became, a okay, take me on this journey. And what I found was I actually still didn't necessarily like myself. I still, after doing two master's degrees, Uh, Working in large organizations, building billion dollar businesses with these organizations, still didn't think I was good enough or smart enough to compete in the corporate world. Now, if you saw me, you wouldn't, and, and met me, you wouldn't actually think that. So, my relationship with shit has been a continuing one. And it was only sort of in the last, oh, probably six years that I've really started to confront my shit and move past it. And it's those lessons of where I started from as a lonely kid trying to fit in through to now where I'm going, there is lessons I've taken out of all of those bits and pieces along my life's journey that if I was able to have that in a book that I could write to as a 16-year-old, what a different life that would have been. And I, I don't begrudge any of my life. It's more that the, the emotional uncertainty and pain that I created for myself was unnecessary.
1: And you're talking there you say you wish you knew that when you were 16 you wish you had a book like this is it because although you were very conscious of the things about you that you didn't you didn't like so much you wanted to change that you you weren't fully aware that it was just sort of shit you were carrying around baggage you were carrying around that everyone kind of has to a certain extent and that shit was something for you to work through cognitively and psychologically were you stuck in a place where you were thinking they were simply flaws, things about you that weren't right?
0: Absolutely. I own those flaws, and they, they really started to define me and my personality. And so the opportunities that came my way, whether that be in media or those sorts of things, I would self-sabotage by the voices in my head going, okay, Gary, you're not good enough. They're going to pick out that you're a fraud. All those, uh those fake chats that I would have my, with myself and, and beat myself up they were holding me back. And so by being able to understand that and call bullshit on the voices in my head because they weren't a reality, that would have really helped. And I think that's part of the reason I wrote the book is because I think there's so many people out there that have these voices inside their head and it's negatively impacting their lives. And, and the world we live in today is actually creating even more of that and through you know, COVID-19, unemployment, all of those aspects around our lives.
1: Not to mention the fact that we get this highlights reel of other people's lives on Facebook as if that's their life all day, every day. And if we're comparing ourselves to those highlights reels, then we're also always going to come up short because, of course, people are only sharing the interesting, funny, exciting travel or whatever it is that they're doing. And we're fully immersed in that so much of our day. Look, I find that really, really interesting. The idea of of there being a line in the sand between when you you finally worked out that th- this was shit for you to deal with, and there was a process, and we're going to talk about your your four step mm. process soon for dealing with your own shit. And on the other side of that line, the beginning of that is not having reached there yet, where you realize it's just stuff that you can work through, and you're stuck in this mentality of. Feeling as though you just have these flaws about your nature that you don't like, and you're stuck with them, and it's just you that you 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 don't love, and you're not appreciative of that. That really resonates with me, and and I find that to be the really powerful differentiator between those two subtle, very different mindsets.
0: Yeah, and I think you really nailed it with the the Instagram comparison. And if I can quote just the Jim Carrey, because I'm a Dumb and Dumber fan from way back. He said this amazing quote, which is everybody should be rich and famous and do whatever they would like to do so they realize it's not the answer. (laughs) And it's just, it nails it to a T. And when you look at Instagram and all of the social media where everybody is putting up what is their perfect lives, our lives are the same, pretty much the same as their lives, ebbs and flows of life means we have our ups and downs. But if somebody is able to convince you that their life is 100% perfect all of the time and they're living the dream, then two things are happening. Being fooled. Either one, yeah. yeah, you got fooled or they're just going through a good run.
1: Yeah. I saw Jim Carrey on that show, you know, Seinfeld show, comedians in cars having coffee. Have you ever watched that? He's a yeah. really interesting guy. I I'd, I'd never known much about Jim Carrey except for the movies that he's in, but just that little, you know, half hour insight into who he is he's a he's a really interesting kind of character isn't he and, and by the way i loved way back when you started talking about the perfect example that we all have in us uh, in our lives all around us toddlers kids who have no self awareness they don't have a chip on their shoulder they don't have baggage that they carry around with themselves I have three kids, as I've already mentioned. One is four and one is two. And And I would go so far as to say even the four-year-old hasn't reached that point yet. He will do whatever. He will dance to whatever. He will be a full range from a toddler monster to incredibly cute and beautiful with zero level of self-awareness. And, and it is a beautiful time. And it's a really nice reminder for all of us around them just how pure life can be. All right, now before we get onto your four stages of understanding and managing the shit that we carry around with us, I want you to convince me of one other really important point, and that is that we all have shit that we carry around with us. I am relatively convinced by that, but I'd love to hear you talk through that idea, that some might be listening to this and default to the idea of, well, actually, that's not me. I don't resonate. That doesn't resonate with me. I don't feel like I'm carrying around this baggage with me. What would you say to that?
0: I think that probably we have varying levels of how much shit's affecting us. Some people, it affects us more. Now, I don't profess to say I understand the psychology of why some people have more shit than others. Now, I probably should differentiate the difference between what is stuff and what is shit. In our world, stuff happens to us. So Terea Pitt, for example, is a, an amazing example of somebody that had something really tragic happen to them. And that was the fire when she was running through Western Australia and changed her life at that single point in time. However, it didn't define her life. And so, for her, the horrific burns that she experienced, they didn't become part of her, sh- they're, they're part of a shit to a degree, but they didn't actually define her by becoming her complete shit. They are still the stuff that's happened to her and she's living her best life, moving past it. And so that mental resilience to be able to go, okay, I understand that life is going to throw stuff at me, and how I interpret that comes down to a range of factors. So you know, you talk about your four-year-old, and your four-year-old is becoming very aware. Boy or girl, by the way? Boy. Okay, boy. So, so, so he is very much a little, oh, little girl. He's two. I've is two, and
1: I have two boys, four and seven.
0: Okay. And so the boys will very much model themselves off you, I'm assuming?
1: Yeah, they do. They do to a large extent. That's true.
0: Yeah. And so what they're doing there is they're they're starting to pick up the nuances of you. And so out of that comes the values and their belief system and all of those wonderful things. You seem like a really nice human being. And so they're picking up that good stuff. And no matter how good a parent you are, unfortunately, they're not you. And so Despite all of that love and caring that you're giving them, they're going to have something that is just missing that will become part of them. Now it may be that you raised your voice, or you know, in my case with one of my nephews, I remember Christmas where we gave him a uh, a cowboy outfit, and it didn't quite fit, so I actually cut around the sleeves to try and make it fit for him because I wanted it to be perfect. He burst into tears. Now that sort of scarring of oh, what happened to me at that point. Now, it seems so insignificant, but it sticks and it scars. And depending on what it is, whether you're trying to get your attention for your dad because your dad's going through the career and trying to be as successful as he believes he should be, and this is where the shit comes into it, because if you're starting to go, okay, I feel like a failure because I'm not as good as the other person or I'm not achieving as much, but you're actually achieving your own potential, that's where your shit's starting to expose itself. If, for example, and I love this example because I'm guilty of it, unfortunately, is road rage. You're driving along the road and somebody cuts you off and you start to get really upset about it. Now, if you break down, what are you getting upset about? You actually hit the the brakes and just back off a little, but you feel like that person disrespected you and didn't do the right thing by you. And so I talk about this character called Bob in my head. And so Bob's there to protect me. Psychologically and physically. And so he tries to pick out all of the stuff that's happening in the world and think about how's it going to impact Gary. So now I'm going to have to talk about myself in the third person. I apologize for that. But Bob's up there and he's like, he's sitting there thinking, how's this affecting Gary? Is there a chance of failure? Is there a chance he's going to get embarrassed? So public speaking is something we, most of us, fear more than a shark attack.
1: Yes, I've heard that. More than death itself, a lot of people. I know. Like
0: the sharks are pretty munchy and yet we have a greater fear of standing in front of other people and talking.
1: I know which one I fear more.
0: Yeah, <laughs> me too. And it's
1: not talking in front of people.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, And that's about that embarrassment or feeling like you're going to be caught out possibly as a failure. And so that's again, Bob going, I want to protect you and I want to keep you safe. So I'm going to tell you, let's use a Trumpism, fake news. That you can't do this, you're not good enough. And so, by avoiding it, he's proven right. So, Bob gets his way by um, convincing you that uh, this is the way it should be. Now, if your partner says something to you and you misinterpret it, and you, you know, that, I do it all never the time. Happens. No, not at my house either. And it'll be the most inane thing that all of a sudden becomes a, an issue. And then you sit down and you go, What did you actually mean by that? Oh, I interpreted it differently. And That's again, Bob, in the back of your head, interpreting against the biases that you might have built up.
1: In some ways protecting you, but but I guess Bob, in in those two examples, has done you a real disservice. He's stopped you from trying to speak in public and and realize that it's not the great fear that it should be, or it's not the great fear that you have in your head, and also Bob trying to defend you against your spouse has, has led you down the path of an argument that you didn't need to have by misinterpreting information, so Bob's not all great news.
0: No, Bob's like an overprotective parent. Like Bob loves you so much that he just doesn't want you to, to suffer in any way or fo- shape or form. And so as part of that, as overprotective parents do, they don't let you grow as much as you should because you don't get to experience the, the knocks that come through life. And so Bob tries to lock you down. And quite often you'll hear people say, oh, I couldn't do that. I couldn't go out and you know have a chat like we're having chat right now. I couldn't do that because what would people think? Actually, it's not what people think, it's what Bob thinks. And Bob's convincing you you're just not good enough to do that. Whether it's a half-day Energizer session or a comprehensive team and leadership program, Team Guru's unique approach could be just what the doctor ordered for your organisation.
1: We started this part of the conversation by me challenging you to convince me that we all have shit that we have to deal with in our life. That we've all got stuff hanging over us. Is it true to say that some of us have a louder Bob voice in our head than other people? That other people do seem to be able to step out of their comfort zone and just give stuff a go. They they can either quieten that voice or or it just doesn't exist for them in the same way it might for you.
0: Yeah, and I think there are varying degrees of Bob Bobisms, and. For some people, they've built their resilience up earlier and their Bob didn't get as loud a voice as, for example, mine has had. But for others, it's a, it's a blaring Bob. It's a yelling, screaming, kicking, doing whatever they can to get your attention character that, lives, that you have to figure out how to live with. And the more you give control to Bob, the more he realizes that he can continue to do what he does. And so he keeps you safe.
1: Now, in your book, you address this question pretty directly. You say, some pe- some of you might think you don't have shit to sort out. And if you th- you're you in that category, I-, I want you to think about these things. And then you give a list of of ideas that no one can claim to not have in their life. <laughs> I'll just go through them really quickly. Do you get ever get anxious, nervous, down, or depressed? Are you insecure about something, lack confidence, don't like yourself, or experience self-hatred, suffer unreasonable anger, irrational fears, and phobias? Do you feel like a failure, inadequate, or believe you are just not good enough? Have you ever lashed out or reacted out of proportion in any situation? Do you reflect on your past and blame situations or people for your current issues? Two to go. Are you competitive, like being the center of attention, seek recognition for your achievements, or get cranky when you don't get your own way? And lastly, have you ever been jealous, envious, or judgmental or compared yourself or your life to someone else? There is no one listening to this show right now who can say that they've never experienced any of those things.
0: That's exactly right, and that's the part of us that is human. It's a nasty list. It is, but it's a it's a true list. And you know, if you think about those characteristics that we have at one point or another, we have felt some if not all of those things
1: there's a few in there i tell you gary i've i've mentioned it a few times on this show so of all the things that i do confidently in my life there is a phobia that controls a fair chunk of my family's life and that is my fear of heights it is a fear that has gotten so much worse and and you know you can really easily manage it but it, it is a really interesting quirk in my own psychology and i've often wondered where that comes from and it certainly does count as shit that I have to deal with I have to manage around that it's it has intrigued me and I've got to say it's it's getting worse and worse through my life so that one there that phobia's one that's why I'm part of this list there's a hot there's a number of other dot points there but that's the one that really sticks out to me all right now let's get there's a bit of oversharing for you there Gary but my my loyal listeners do know about my crazy fear of heights I've talked about it many times all right now <laughs> we're going to go through the four stages that you talk about in addressing your shit And we're not going to surprise you. I'm going to tell you what they are now. And then, Gary, it'd be great if you could talk us through each of these four and give us some really, really strong tips at each of these stages. Number one is to know your shit. Number two is to own it. Number three is to deal with it. And number four is to maintain your shit fit, which I like. That's nice. Nice (laughs) use of language there. How do I know my shit? So, you know, I just talked about a couple of dot points jump out at me. I've got my very clear phobia that controls where my family stays on holidays, and and you know all of those other things that it it impacts. But apart from that, I feel pretty shit free. So, what would you suggest to to someone like me, or actually, what would you suggest to anyone, even those who know they've got stuff going on in their life? A lot of those dot points really jump out at them. How do we pinpoint, put some words around understanding our shit?
0: So for me, the first part is that knowing your shit, because unless you know where the issue is coming from, you really can't uh, deal with it. So when we deal with um, organizations, we go in and we do an analysis piece before we actually start to diagnose what the problem is. So in my case, I then wanted to dig around into what is it that has brought me to this point here? And I use in the book, you and I, I think, would love going to the movies at one and. My favorites would have to be the superheroes. Marvel or um, DC are fine. And there's always a good superhero backstory. So a a superhero story never goes, you know, I'm a superhero and I have the power all the way through. It has the ebbs and flows and the darks and light of their story.
1: It humanizes them.
0: It does. And so Stan Lee always brought that human aspect into the superhero characters. And one of the things about it is the backstory. So, we have our own superhero backstory. Whether, you know, with Batman and Bruce Wayne, it was his parents were killed and he was brought up by Alfred. So, those sorts of things are the things that start to define how we see the world and our perspective on life. But then you can dig a bit deeper and you can go into, I call it Captain Obvious and Captain Oblivious. The Captain Obvious ones, are the things that we know that we have in our background. So it might be, for example, that our values, where have they come from? What's happened with them? We might have a belief system that comes through. We might have biases that are helping us make decisions, but actually might be putting us with discrimination in the way we make decisions. All of that has come through from our past. And I talked about Bob before, and the only reference point Bob has as and now, our minds is our past, because that's the only thing we've lived before. Sure, we can get advice from others, but they're not us. Even a an identical twin has a different persona or personality to their genetic twin. So what we need to do is get to know our shit from their the first part. and so the superhero backstory is really important, and for me, one of the the most powerful things I have. In the arsenal is knowing about Bob and giving whatever you want to call your Bob, because once you understand and you can go, these are voices within my head, and just because I believe it doesn't mean it's true. So by giving Bob a persona, you're able to then call bullshit on him when he's running rampant on you and giving you a, a working over of, you know, even talk coming to talk to you today. My Bob is going. What happens if you freeze up? What happens with those things? What happens if the words don't come out? Then the story's incoherent. Hopefully it's not. But my Bob has built this persona. Sure isn't. <laughs> Thank you. Bob has built up this story to try and convince me, Gary, you're putting yourself outside of your comfort zone here. Step back in out of the risk. And so for me, knowing your shit is about knowing those things so that you can then start to manage and go, what's reality? What's reality? And what's the Trumpism fake news that my head is trying to convince me to stop me getting outside my comfort zone?
1: So one of the things, sorry, just before we move on to number two, one of the things I really like about what you said in your book is that sometimes the things that we see on the surface, the symptoms are not the shit itself. It's just how it plays out in a practical sense that there's a, without getting too psychological, there's a a deeper kind of pile of shit lying around that just plays itself out in that way. Can you give us an example of- of something that might come out symptomatically in the way we behave or relate to others. But the problem is actually a little bit simpler or or more base level.
0: Yeah, sure. So it's only just you and I chatting. There's nobody else listening, is there?
1: No one. No, good. good. 20,000 or so.
0: Yeah, okay, cool. If I use myself as an example, and throughout the book I've done this because I figure that if you're going to have to deal with your shit, you've got to have somebody that's actually willing to be vulnerable as well so you can be vulnerable in your own home. Mine was, I'm a person that really cares about other people. However, I was hurting the people that I loved by having affairs and cheating on them. And so for me, it just didn't add up. And, and for the people that loved me, they also were going, this isn't the person that I love, but your behavior is just ir- oh, I can't say the word now. Anyway. wrong. Let's go with wrong. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's better.
0: Yeah, it's an easier word. And I think so,
1: reprehensible was the one we were looking irreprehensible, for. Reprehensible. That's the word. Rep- yes, thank reprehensible. you. Reprehensible. Reprehensible.
0: And so, I was just thinking that was part of my makeup. But as I started to work through my shit, and I started to dig down deeper and deeper, it actually came through that I was getting validation because I'd always thought that I was not attractive enough, not appealing enough, not smart enough, and so if somebody was willing to be attracted to me then that was something that made me go oh my goodness i get some positive reinforcement out of that and so in my head we have the as you would know neural pathways and just like when we go to gym and we lift weights our muscles get bigger the more we tell ourselves these negative thoughts and tell these stories to ourselves those neural pathways become stronger and stronger And so the habits, which are bad habits, whether you are addicted to, it could be alcohol, it could be drugs, it could be sex, it could be just beating yourself up with your negative thoughts, all of those things become an addiction or a bad habit. And so by understanding those things, you can then start to work on them, which it goes into the deal with your shit. But I'll I'll finish this bit about the addictions part as well, is you need to circumvent that negative brain thought to get a the similar sort of reward you're getting from it without the negative connotation so you know I think there's a, a great in Shantaram the the book by the Australian I can't think of the author's name now but he is a, a literary professor who had a, a really painful divorce, lost the kids and he said the first time he took heroin the pain just went and he then was he knew he was addicted from that point onwards because it was about the pain that was relieved as part of that and so in my case not enough if i had sex with somebody who was attracted to me i'm getting that positive reinforcement of wow how could you even do like me but thank you
1: wow so you had this pile of shit that was so strong and powerful that that the positive reinforcement you got out of acting on that was more powerful than the values of love and respect that you otherwise carried around with you. That's a, a really powerful example of the way that works.
0: And the other part of that is you talked about the love and the other aspects of emotions. And there's a chapter in the book that talks about puppies and zombies. And we have two ways that we're going to react to some sort of emotional trauma that's happened to us in the past. We will either shut down completely and become a zombie, or we will become a puppy that looks for validation as part of, I need to feel loved. I fall into the zombie category, and so I I have blocked out in the past my emotions so that I didn't have to deal with the feelings that Bob was actually talking to me about and going, you know what, Gary, you're not good enough. Oh, well, the easiest way to deal with that and to deal with the fact that I didn't feel I got the things out of my childhood that i I kind of wanted was to be a zombie and an important part on this one is you don't get to blame your parents. Sure you might have had a crappy childhood my childhood wasn't that crappy in fact my parents were really good but as I said to you before, different people and I might have been looking for something different that my parents were able to give at that point in time and they did the best they could.
1: Wow well thank you for sharing that story Gary because it was a powerful example and and it takes a lot to put yourself out there in the way that you have. Both here on the podcast and in your book. So that's number one, know your shit. And the second part is owning your shit. Tell us about what that means and, and give us a couple of tips to help us do that.
0: Yeah, sure. So, owning your shit is you have a choice here. You can either go, okay, I, I now know my shit, but I'm just, it's too painful and I'm not going to confront and I'm not going to do anything with it. That's fine. That's a decision that you can choose to make. Or you can then go the other way and try and challenge those elements of your shit. And so the first one for me is you don't get to keep blaming other people. So you've got to stop the blame game. In my case, I I, uh, blame my parents for not making the Olympics in the, uh, the Moscow or the Munich Olympics and had nothing to do with them. But my Bob had created this story that I continued to blame them for it. And so you've got to then take responsibility for sure stuff had happened to you but the way you interpreted it is what created the shit that is now what you're trying to deal with, and then the second part of it is understanding the bad habits that you've created for yourself as well, and those, uh, as I talked about before, the neural pathways that you've created and strengthened by letting your shit continue to get the better of you through through your life, and then from there you then start to get into that the dealing with your shit, and I go back into you have spent years. If you think about if you did the same thing every day, every hour for a week, you'd start to get pretty proficient. And as Malcolm Gladwell said, the 10,000 hours, you can become an expert pretty quickly and you're living your life with this shit continually repeating on repeat in the back of your head. And so you become an expert at your shit. So you've got to break that cycle somehow. And so... I create this nine-step program of the things that you should do or you could do if you choose to, to confront it. And I was over in Bali a while ago and my sister rang me and she, as we all do, has shit that she deals with. And she was saying, you're so brave to have to confront this. And one of the issues that we build up is we get so scared that if we release the beast within us or the all of those voices that have been talking to us, we don't think we'll ever come back from it. That emotional breakdown, we think that it's just the end state when it's actually more of a transition state. And I like to sort of use the term of a breakdown can actually be a breakup and a breakup of who you were in the past and all of those characteristics and traits of who you were that
1: are no longer working for you. And so you need to break those. I'm just really interested you raise a really great point you know linking it to Gladwell's work about the 10,000 hours if you've had a habit for a lifetime you've done it a lot more than 10,000 hours you might be looking at 20 30 so you've grooved in this terrible habit that's having an impact on you so even just having that awareness if you've made the the active decision to deal with your shit just going in with it and saying hey okay to fully understand this this pattern of behavior this habit that i have just have to remind myself that i have ingrained this in my behavior over 20 or 30 or 40 years i'm an expert in this terrible behavior so understanding what you're up against is a really important part of that and that you it's going to take some stick-to-it-ness to break a habit like that it's not impossible to do it it's not impossible to undo that expert in t- being terrible but it's really important that you understand what you're up against What do you recommend in terms of changing a behavior? What what's your approach there? Is it swapping with something healthy? If it's a diet, okay, after dinner I normally eat junk food, so now I'm gonna eat an apple. Is it just stopping it altogether? Is it coming up with is it distracting yourself totally so you're not sitting out there and watching TV after dinner? What's the go-to play for you when you're trying to replace a bad habit? So I think
0: that this again goes back to that first part of getting to know your shit, because by understanding what is the reward that you're actually getting out of this. So, if the reward is the sugar hit, well actually what's the sugar hit giving you? It may be that it's a release from boredom. And so, I'm guilty of the the midday uh, snacks and Alan's lollies, the perfect thing for me can knock over a whole bag really quickly in one sitting. And what I've come to realize is that it's actually not just the sugar, which I do love, but it's actually it's that Break from the monotony of what I'm doing at that particular point in time, and so by understanding what the reward is, you can then break the you can actually replace the routine. So instead of the lollies, I'll go for a walk. I'll do something that is not a negative aspect of that routine.
1: Understanding what you're up against. Yeah. Understanding what you're up against and why you do it. Isn't it funny? You're at Alan's Lolly Man. We it's funny we all get our little niche of things, isn't it? <laughs> Maybe, uh, you know, just that special little brand of something, that thing that really floats our boat. So, this is the important thing is because we've, we
0: actually tie emotions to those sorts of lollies. So, you know, smells, for example, in Bali. If I smell something here in Australia, it takes me straight back into that little market in Bali. If I have a lolly, then I, I'm thinking of parties and enjoyment and, and belonging and having fun. So those emotional parts that I've tied to that particular routine, you're not going to change that because my Bob is going, that was lots of fun. Can we do that again? Let's have have a good time with that. And so he's not going to change what he wants and you're not going to change the the reward part of it. What you need to change is the routine to get that feeling. So in my case where I was talking about affairs before, uh the reward is validation. So what do I need to do to validate that is not about betraying trust of others?
1: It's so interesting, you know, just thinking through this process, and we've still got one to go. We'll we'll get on to maintaining your shit fit really soon. But, you know, the the summary I, I see in, in in all of these three steps so far is just really understanding what you're up against, understanding why you do something, how it's impacting your life and what you might be able to do differently. Just the process of thinking it through in that rational way really arms us. It prepares us for what we're about to take on. It helps us understand why we want to take it on, why it's important in our life that we take it on, and it arms us with really smart strategies because we could talk strategies all we like in this podcast, but for everyone's challenges, they're all different, and the answer will be different. So There's no rule of thumb here, but if, if there was to be a rule of thumb – it would be deep understanding of what it is that you're up against. Is that fair to say? Yeah, that's
0: fair to say. And the other part, it, I think, in the process is how bad is the pressure building up? Are you happy to take the boiling frog approach where the frog jumped into the cold water and, and the, the pot continued to boil and it's not able, it doesn't jump out because it doesn't realize it's heating up? We do that with our lives. We do that in many aspects of our lives where we sit there and go, I'm in this relationship and it's just not working for me. But the unknown of not being in that relationship, my Bob is going, that's actually more concerning and it's scary. So I'm not going there. I'll actually put up with a crappy relationship versus jump out to find happiness or a new relationship. And that's that feeling of I need enough catalyst and enough momentum to make me want to step outside my comfort zone and do things differently.
1: And the boiling frog of course, comes when, you know, for example, in in a relationship, like you said, it just gets gradually worse and worse and worse. So by the the point you get to after a long period of time, the pot is very hot, but it's Mm. gotten hot gradually and and you got in when it was cold and you just haven't realized how hot it's gotten until it does you some real physical harm. All right, let's finish it off here, Gary. We've gone through know your shit, own your shit, deal with your shit. Now we're getting into maintaining your shit fit, I like the language. Tell me what it means. Well, being fit
0: means that we have to go to gym. So I'm a person that's been a personal trainer way back in um, when I, in my early twenties, and I've maintained my fitness all the way through that. If I sat on the couch eating a pizza and I'm doing nothing else in isolation but watching Netflix and eating pizzas, I realise that when I want to go back to gym, I'm going to have to go through some pain and a bit of a program to get my body back into shape. We don't approach how our brains and our mental health the same way. What we do is we expect it to be, I'm going to just have a little positive affirmation and some some positive thoughts, and there's this magic pill that can fix everything. And The issue is, again, as you said, those 20,000 hours or 40,000 hours that we've built up all that through requires a different training program. In other words, getting shit fit and then staying shit fit means about building a resilience that when life throws stuff at us, we are not turning it into shit that's going to debilitate us and control our lives. We take it for what it is.
1: One thing that never happens at a gym, you never see a fit person walk up to the counter, hand in their membership and say, I'm fit now. Thank you very much. I'll no longer be needing your gym.
0: It's the equivalent of walking up even before you get the membership. You sign the papers and then you cancel your membership at the same time and go, you know what? My intention was positive and right now I'm as fit as I'm ever going to be.
1: So, dealing with our shit is like so many other habits or, or strengths or muscles in our life. The more we use it, the better we get at it, the stronger we get. It's a, cycle, a positive cycle of getting better and stronger and more effective at dealing with these things in our life. But if we let that go, if we get sloppy and let the frog boil, then we're losing that strength, we're losing that fitness, and it's going to be harder to get started again. It is.
0: And it becomes daunting to start off again. But it's just a case of, again, getting that mindset to jump in and start slow. You don't go to gym and try and lift the heavyweights that the guys are doing it all the time. You start off and build up to it. And it's the same with your shit fit. Work on the same approach of start doing things a little bit differently. There was a lady that I had read the book, 73, Merrill, and she was saying that her husband left her 20 years ago. And after all the counseling, she was now in a, a retirement village she said to me that similar to yourself, she went, Well, I actually didn't like that there were so many words shit in the book, Gary. And I said, Okay, Meryl, aside from that, what did you think? And she said, What it made me think of was I've been making excuses at 73 as to why I'm not out there walking around. I'm starting to sit here and stagnate, and I've broken that cycle and that thought pattern. And I'm now thinking, I, my mental bob. Is making me not do the things I should do, and I, I was pretty touched by that. I, I admit, as a uh, a large man, I I choked up, and there were tears involved.
1: No, ah, that's nice. It, it is nice when you hear that your work has had an actual impact on someone's life. It's what it's all about. That's why you write your book. That's why I do this podcast. That's the value that we get from this, Gary. Final thought: We've been through the four stages of of owning this and and managing it in our life. Someone's listening to this right now, they know they've got shit to deal with, they know that there's a process they could go through, they could think it through rationally, they just don't know if they've got the courage to do this. What, what do you say to them?
0: I think start. Start on the journey and decide whether along the way, because you actually can stop at any point in time. If it becomes too uncomfortable for you or you're finding things that are not working for you... Take a different approach. There are so many different approaches out there right now to help you find that inner contentment. I didn't use the word happiness and I did that on purpose because seeking happiness is a false journey. You will never find happiness in everything that you do. What you need to be able to find is a contentment in your life that enables you to deal with those highs and lows as they come through. And so my advice would be trust yourself, and take the first step and then start working through what's the shit you've got and is it worth changing and is it significant enough for you to want to change that and what do you see the end benefits for you? And then you'll decide whether you want to take that uh, the journey or not.
1: That's a great place to leave it, Gary Walden. Thank you so much for joining us on the Team Guru podcast.
0: Well, thank you for having me and uh, really appreciate it.
1: I loved his honesty about the things he needed to sort out in his own life. And I love the simplicity of his four steps. Know your shit, own your shit, deal with your shit, and maintaining your shit fit. And yes, it does hurt me just a little bit to swear so much on the podcast. As always, I'll share the lessons I took from my conversation with Gary on the Lessons Learned page for this podcast, You'll find it along with the entire back catalogue of Team Guru podcasts on our website. That's teamswithans.guru forward slash podcast. Connect with me on Twitter, Facebook, SoundCloud, or LinkedIn, and join me for the next episode on this, my mission to bring to life the theory and principles of leadership. This is David Frizzell for Team Guru. Bye for now.